Hey listeners, it's Keith from Evertrue. Evertrue is the end-to-end solution for insight, outreach, and analytics for higher ed advancement and stewardship teams around the world. Recently, we launched Evertrue Studios, Advancement's very first media hub, where subscribers have access to over 100 hours of free, on-demand original series and podcasts, all created with fundraisers in mind. Check us out at evertrue.com backslash studios. I'm Kim Naoni, and this is Mentorship Matters, a podcast that examines the current and future landscape of fundraising leaders and the power of inclusive mentorship in advancement. Today, I'm honored to have my friend and colleague in in, uh, the world of advancement, Shane Carlin, President and CEO at Asian Student Achievement. Shane, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Kim. Thank you so much for the invitation and the opportunity to speak with you today. Absolutely. I was very excited to have you come on and appear on Mentorship Matters because you have a lot of good nuggets that you can share with people in our industry that may not be familiar about the work that your organization is doing. So why don't we just go ahead and kick it off and have you tell us about Asian Student Achievement. What is it about? Why did you establish, you and your friends and colleagues establish this organization And what do you hope to achieve? No, thank you for that question. Asian Student Achievement, Shane Carlin, by the way, sounds Irish, but I'm a Korean American adoptee. And Asian Student Achievement is an organization to help move Asian and Asian Americans through the pipeline to leadership via three-pronged business plan, one-on-one coaching, speaking at colleges and universities and conferences on the soft skills. And we've also been invited by Corporate America to talk about AAPI issues, Asian American Pacific Islander issues. And lastly, our partnership with the National Association for Asian American Professionals, NAP, in our diversity-driven job board. I started it, Kim, because to me, it's very important as I've been working with college students in terms of the Asian International and Asian American Pacific Islander students at Miami Northwestern and Capital University, as well as the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. I've seen the areas where they really need some assistance in the soft skills. And I really want to help them get into competing with the dominant culture. And lastly, the reason why I started up that a tagline of the moving up through the pipeline to leadership is because I remember being in a job search with a candidate Mm -hmm. and I asked her, what is she doing to hire and retain diverse talent? And her immediate response was, there aren't any in the pipeline, which you and I know. Of course, there are. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> she just doesn't look anywhere for it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, you and I talked about this before. It's something that drives me absolutely bananas, okay? When you're going somewhere and you're talking to an organization, say, man, we can't find diverse talent. We can't. They, they don't exist. I said, what are you talking about? We were doing a mentorship program the last year and a half, and we had over 400 people that participated all with an interest in this work. And, you know, they go all the way from entry level, as you know, to senior executives that are stuck somewhere in an organization that may not appreciate them or they don't have room for growth, but because they don't fall in the right orbit where, you know, many folks go to find advancement talent, they don't don't get anywhere. And so it's, it's a very frustrating thing every time I hear that. So when you say that, I just, I just had a chuckle. You're exactly right. It, it gets discouraging, but that's why you and I are doing 
the business and the work that we're doing to make sure that organizations across the nation know that we're here and we're we're available. So when it, when it comes to the second point you made about you know noticing that you know the uh, the Asian students that you were dealing with in particular were 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 sort of at a at a disadvantaged position when it comes to positioning for leadership as opposed to their colleagues. What do you think that is or that was? You know, what what it is, is when you think about the Asian international and Asian American trends in terms of families, they're really focused on having their kids truly focus on the aspect of education. And they don't see the being a part of outside the classroom experiences, internships, and all that at the same levels as getting A's and 4.0s. And just to give you an example, when I worked at Northwestern University in residence life and housing, I had a student, she was in her first year and she was Chinese American student, and she was going to go ahead and go through fraternity and sorority recruitment. And she got she contacted me and said, my mom's going to call you uh, because she doesn't understand the Greek life system. And so when I talked to the mother, the mother literally thought it was Greece. It was literally (laughs) instead of what we know in the United States as fraternity and sorority life. So it was just that kind of an example. And now I'm proud to tell you that she, you know, uh, graduated with great accolades and and did join the sorority, but also uh, has been uh, growing at Procter & Gamble for many years ever since she graduated. So it's really just educating the, the family, you know, nucleus, the parents, and helping them understand that because a lot of them don't know that that's a possibility and we're just trying to help them. And, and, and because of that, that puts them behind on the soft skills that I've been rebranding as the other hard skills. Yes, absolutely. The, the, the people skills, as, uh, as I think Simon Sinek t- tries to t- calls it, uh, the human skills that are That's necessary right. for you to be human. And so in turn, what kind of programs do you, do you run? Do you have any sort of like specific initiatives on mentoring? Uh, do you have leadership development? Talk to us about those, those tools that, that you put out there to help growth. Well, first thing, when we're fortunate enough to be invited, especially by colleges and universities as well as uh, conferences, student conferences, we we give them a bevy of choices of, you know, workshop presentations. For example, the most common one is the networking. One of my key things when I do presentations, Kim, is I think it's important that they're in the classroom every day listening to professors lecture. And my goal is to make it as interactive as possible. So when they do go to this, they feel like that they're involved, engaged, and we try to make it interactive. I've done public speaking as well as even teaching them fundraising. We we might as well start teaching them the art of philanthropy at an earlier state because so many student orgs are wanting to make money in the days of bake sales don't always uh, make dough that they need for their work. Exactly. And so, and then we're, you know, we even go down to the importance of microaggressions uh, because too many times, so many of them uh, don't even realize that microaggressions are being hurled at them left and right. 
and they think it's just oh it's just someone saying something about them but don't realize that and how do you take that information while you're in college but then move that forward and being prepared to deal with that in the workplace so all those type of things is what we do when we're going out on terms of conferences and and campuses but also in our one-on-one coaching we offer one-on-one coaching and we we talk to them in more granular details for example resume cover letter writing mm-hmm. uh, interviewing techniques and just really helping them find a focus in their life and journey to to make sure that they're just prepared and armed with all the tools and all the opportunities in front of them because I'll leave it with this I, as I tell a lot of the the students that sometimes get pushed by their parents be an attorney be a lawyer I mean be a uh, you know, a a doctor and and all these things are or the the STEM side and maybe they want to be in the arts. Maybe they want to be a teacher. And what I tell them is, when Monday morning happens and the alarm uh, goes off, who's the one that has to get up and hit that alarm and be excited to work? Your family or you? And you know, they're like, oh, yeah. it's me. So so I've got some really exciting success stories about that too. But I'll stop there. Well, on that note, tell me tell me one one story that really resonates you, with you in the time that you've been doing this, where you know you're at that moment say, "Man, we're doing something right. That this is how this uh, sausage is supposed to be uh, to be baked." And we've seen, you know, sorry for my food analogy, but I love food, so I always think of the <laughs> sausage making process, right? As you 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 know you go through that, and then you get to that promised land, and somebody has not only found a career, but their success. And you can look at that and say, you know what, this is why Asian student achievement uh, exists. No, great question. And one of them is a most recent success is one of our interns from the University of Buffalo. Uh, She at first was a bit intimidated to do the mock interview with me because she was worried about, you know, what, what I would say and just, they just get nervous. And And when I do a mock interview with them, I literally tell them from the time that we start to the time that we end, we're not going to stop. You don't get to ask questions. You don't get to say time out because in a real interview, you're not going to have that. So I really went through the whole process with her and she, you know, she taped herself too. We, at the end, I gave her an opportunity to give me feedback of what she thought that she did well and what she could improve on. And uh, I gave her the same. And then she was prepared and armed and ready for uh, the interview, and she did. And not only did she get the offer, but she has gotten so many other offers since then. When she was an intern from us, she's already graduated, and she continues to get great accolades. And and one of the greatest things, as I always call the MasterCard commercial pricelessness, is that when they say that you all made a difference in my life to be a better a candidate to be a better professional and to be armed with all the tools that I did not know prior to either joining the ASA team as an intern or us going around. And lastly, I'll give you another example, even though it wasn't a part of me having ASA at the time, Asian Student Achievement, but I'm still in conversation with one of my good friends who was a student at Michigan State University, Mm -hmm. comes to the Filipino Americans Coming Together conference where I did this networking session. And then a few years later, he and I are at the same conference for student affairs professionals and says, I remember you doing that networking thing 
until this day, I still do use that. And he's continuing to climb up the ladder in residence life and housing. He just got a job at UCLA. So, you know, he, he and I were just recently uh, Facebooking each other and he was telling me, I still remember that and it helps me till this day. And, and that's what you want to hear when you start up an organization like Asian Student Achievement. You know, uh, you brought up an interesting uh, anecdote there that, you know, I, I want to get back to. And you talk about this conference, the Filipino-based conference gathering that you had. And, you know, I say that, I mean, part of what we do here, you know, whether it's Black leaders in philanthropy, whether it's uh, Asian student achievement, you name it, we are all this uh, conglomerate of organizations that exist to support minoritized, underrepresented populations in their career growth. And so talk to me about the partnerships that you have formed that you have with other Asian-based in, in other organizations. And how are you leveraging that to sort of support the work that you're doing? Because, you know, it takes a village, you know, it doesn't, right. it, it, it takes all of us collect, collectively, I believe, to bring each other up. So talk about all those other alliances that you're forming in this in this work. Well, I definitely think that we have to continue to do that. And I make sure that I brand Asian Student Achievement, not just only with AAPI organizations, as you and I know, I continue to have my backdrop when I'm at Men of Color in Development at African-American Development Officers, in addition to, you know, working with, uh, you know, for example, one of the companies, Waste Management, WM, a colleague of mine that I used to work at the American Red Cross, she moved over there. She and I connected again, and she says, I love the work that you're doing. So to be able to partner with a, co a corporation who uh, values diversity, equity, inclusion, and is asking someone like us, as we're humble, to be able to talk about AAPI issues and the importance of what that looks like. And even just recently being on a panel with with uh, two other of their colleagues, where close to 1,200 to 1,400 people on Zoom uh, participated in listening to that. So it, it's great to not only get our name out there and showcase the importance of that. Recently, I partnered with the University of Michigan Medical School Gerontology Center with their diversity uh, council and did a uh, microaggression hate crime bias incident program. So just because our name says Asian Student Achievement, does not mean that we don't understand the values of those. Now, in terms of the Asian American Pacific Islander partnerships, we've been partnering with SACE, the Society of Asian Scientists and Engineers, the National Association for Asian American Professionals with our diversity-driven job board. SACE, we've been helping them out in terms of either going out and doing some speaking engagements, participating in their conferences and different things like that. I just got back from Washington, D.C. with the National leadership development convention with NAP. So all those are so important because we want them to know that we're working with college students and entry-level professionals. And, and not only is it a, a it's not a one-way street, it's a two-way street where we're learning from them too. Right, right. I mean, I, I was listening to a, to a different podcast today about how, you know, mentorship as an act, you know, benefits both uh, sides. It's, it's, for it to work, it's got to be a two-way street. Uh, it's going to be the mentor and the mentee benefiting. And, you know, so that is, it, it, it is what we strive for and what we try to do in order to, to, uh, to pay forward. And so as we move along here, you know, I think in terms of, you know, why this podcast exists and why I wanted to do this, which was 
to inspire the next generation of advancement officers, of philanthropy professionals to really look at this as a long-term career and, and, and position themselves to become leaders in the organizations. And you know, as we look at the ranks of leaders in advancement, whether it's in a university setting, higher ed setting, or it's in a nonprofit, there are very few underrepresented minorities in leadership roles, especially leadership roles that move the needle. And so I look at this as a continuum, right? You start at the student level, you mentor, you know, you prepare intentionally students to become leaders to, and then when they are, you know, in positions, interlope positions or junior positions. The other day I was reading an article about, you know, we talk, when we're mentoring people talk about what's your career ladder. And uh, this author was in the Harvard Business uh, Review to talk about the whole concept of a career portfolio. So how am I helping somebody, an underrepresented professional, an Asian American professional to have the toolbox that's gonna prepare them for the time when an opportunity is open to say, hey, Shane, this is all you. And you have the portfolio that allows you the opportunity to compete for that position. Because I contend that most of us, when we're coming up, we didn't have that. We were told, hey, just work hard, raise money, and you'll get there. And then you get to that opportunity, you figure out, you find out that, well, I don't have a well-rounded portfolio that can help me to truly compete for this job. So, you know, I, I, I want to talk to you as it relates to API population and promoting uh, growth at a pipeline for professionals from that particular segment of our population. What are your thoughts about the most effective ways to to appeal to uh, the API uh, population and position advancement as a viable career that one can be successful in and can have a broader impact in our community, in society? No, great question. And I think you and I would agree that advancement work is not one of those, maybe 10, 15 years down the road, th this might happen. But when we were in first grade, we didn't say, when I grow up, I want to be a fundraiser. You know, so it's really serendipity on how a lot of people get involved. I was fortunate to get involved with the National Association of Student Personnel Administrators just being on the regional board, volunteering, and then was asked by the national executive director to do it full-time. And then that's how uh, I started because I was gregarious. I was out there. I had no problem asking for money. And, and so, and, and, and of course we both know one-on-one -on -one relationship building is key more than anything. Absol else. Absolutely critical. And so, but in terms of your, your question is, you know, as I said earlier, one of the tools that I bring to the table because of my experiences that isn't something that student orgs are asking for or didn't even know that they could ask for is I talk about how to do fundraising. And I literally go over fundraising tactics. I don't talk about how do you improve your bake sale or have different events. I talk <laughs> about literally yeah. the art of fundraising that you and I do every day. And a lot of them don't understand and didn't even know that they could do that themselves, right? Now, oh, yeah. needless to say, I tell them, please work with your institution, do it in the right you know, rules and regulations and different right. things like that. So there's that opportunity. The second thing 
is making sure that we we introduce the great Rob Henry from Case has mm -hmm. given us the, Rob. the 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 hideous statistic of 92% white in Case, 8% mm -hmm. minority, and I'm going to add the other statistic of my own assumption, probably less than one percent of that of being AAPI in philanthropy. And so with that said, you know, one of the things we got to do is make sure that we're having sessions like this, like you and I are doing with podcasts, that we're getting out there, that our faces are being shown in those public settings so they can say, oh, there's someone that looks like me that is in this profession that I didn't even know I could do, right? That's one. Two, I think another thing that we can be doing is so many universities are actually getting engaged with Asian international countries mm -hmm. and in terms of uh, fundraising. Yeah. And, and you and I know that we will get you there just a little closer when you have someone that looks like the people that you're trying to work with, right? And, Absolutely. And, and the problem, Kim, that you and I have seen, and I can tell you personally, I've seen, I won't say the institutional names, knowing that this is going to go to millions and millions of people, because that's what your podcast is going to do, is that that this institution, we're hiring non-Asian people for China and yeah. Japan <laughs> and Korea. And you're just like, what, what are you thinking? Why aren't you reaching out to people that have had experience in that area? So we've got to educate the the uh, advancement brass about this, the importance of it. Uh, I don't speak hardly any of those languages due to my upbringing as an adoptee, but I definitely know enough about the cultural idioms, uh, mm -hmm. the one-on-one -on -one relationships. And I remember going to uh, Korea, uh, China, Hong Kong, and other places. And as I talked to some of those alums, and those donors that I would have relationships with. And remember, my role during that time was not in international advancement. It was with another role within advancement. But because of my interactions with them, I, I even did my own little, I guess you could say, test pilot and said, who would you feel more most comfortable with in terms of someone asking you for money? You know, And they said, someone that looks like you, because you're going to get what we're experiencing. And let me, end, let, let me end it with this one time. When I was at the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, uh, I was with the director of the Asian American Cultural Center and this donor, and we had lunch. And he handed me a check. He was so excited that there is a, the, uh, my title was Assistant Vice Chancellor for Student Affairs Advancement. He was so excited there was someone that looked like him, a Taiwanese-American doctor. And he said, because you're Asian, I'm giving you a check. I mean, like, you can't oh, yeah. write this. Like someone literally went out of their way to say it that way. And 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 we you and I need you and I know that 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 a lot of the leadership that I'm gonna say it outright are mostly white, white men or white female That's in the true. vice president or the president of foundations or the vice president of advancement or development, you know, aren't getting the memo and they continue to hire people that look like them. And aren't going out of their way when you and I are out there. They know who we are, but they're not going out of their way to find us. And that's disappointing and sad all in one. 
Well, it is. I mean, I could get I could get into all that uh, and, and some because let's just face it, stats have shown people that look like you and I are not seen by by many places as a as a represent representative of uh, their organization. So we got that. And then also there are, you know, a number of firms that they tend to use that have a bias for certain folks. So when I look at the fact that, you know, you go up and down the top 20 institutions out there and look at how many, uh, you know, black or brown or Asian faces that you see at the CEO rank. And I contend, you know, I can count with less than, you know, five, five fingers. Okay. And that's, that, that, that's just the re reality of it that is out there that we face. I'll tell you a quick story. I worked with uh, one organization and a friend of mine was over there. So they were trying to launch their Middle East efforts. So I grew up in Tanzania and I grew up around Arab culture, you know, East, Eastern culture. And I happened through family eons ago have a you know a distant relative who is Persian. So I understood that culture. And I remember they were making a trip to the, a certain country that will name, remain nameless in the Middle East. And they went there and it came back so disappointed as to why this filthy rich person did not give us a check. We want to go there. They have money. And da, da, da. I said, all he wanted to do was to wine and dine us show us, uh, you know, take it to cultural shows, do all this kind of stuff. I said, well, yeah. So let me tell you a little thing about, you know, that culture, because that's part of my culture. People want to get to know you authentically. They know why you're there, but they want to figure out, can I trust you? You are approaching this from a very transactional American perspective. You have not earned the right to ask. You have not earned that right. And every move you're making was as if you're looking at a playbook and you're saying, okay, if he says, Hey, I'll follow this play. I'll use that play. Guess what? They know exactly what you're doing and you did not endear yourself that to, to them. And so to your point earlier about somebody that looks like you, I said, Hey, you know, not to toot my horn, but if you were taking me with you, I probably would have, would have been able to facilitate a better relationship because I speak the language, the cultural uh, idioms that you you may not get, you know, and and it's it's uh, it's incredible that something that to this day folks just don't understand. You're exactly right. You're exactly right, and they need, and and I do hope and wish that, and it's so good that we have African American development officers, the diverse philanthropy and leadership conferences, where you know we are starting to see more and more non, uh, I should say, dominant culture representation coming and attending. Most of them are on the HR side, ironically, because they're, they're they're trying to hire us. But but the but the thing is this is that the, the people that need to go to this and that need to hear it are the ones that don't go. And let's be blunt, it's the VPs. It's the it's it's the head, the chief development officers, the VPs, those that really need to hear it, uh, think that they they already know it. I'm not saying all because I don't want to you know get hate mail. Or anything like that not all of them but there's enough of them that if that you know if that wasn't true then we wouldn't be having stories like this that we're talking about now no we would not no we would not so as we you know wind down here let's uh, let's talk about the future so what do you see the future 
of uh, Asian student achievement being and what would be a success for you when you get to, let's say, 20 years down the road, and you look back at the journey, what would be the two key takeaways to say, you know what, we, we were successful because one, two happened? No, great question. And, and I'll tell you a, a, a quickie thing that we want as success will be when the IRS approves our 501c3 status so we can start <laughs> becoming a bona fide nonprofit. But with that said, um, it's interesting you asked that question because as I was just recently at the NAP National Convention and you know bragging about our organization, I'm very fortunate and privileged to have founded this organization and just really have a, an affinity. It's my baby as the saying goes. And with that said, I wanted to be here for years to come way past my when I meet my maker and leave this earth. So that's one. I, I just hope it'll be there for years to come and, and they can continue to inspire, uh, help, and truly continue to bring in more and more people into that pipeline to leadership. But the, the second thing is, you know, when we do get the funds, we want to get full-time staff eventually. I want to have Asian student achievement chapters at college campuses nationwide and then eventually around the world where we get people out there knowing uh, and then intersecting kind of like the question that you brought up about the partnerships, intersecting with, with people of all representation from corporations to, to higher education, to NGOs and others to partner with us in terms of coaching uh, and other areas. So we wanna be a well-known branded organization that uh, people will say, yes, this is an organization that continues to help move Asian and Asian Americans through the pipeline to leadership. I could, you couldn't have said it better. I mean, those are those are truly aspirational and achievable uh, goals. As I as I think about this uh, from my perspective, if I was to look back at our conversation, uh, you know, twenty years from now, I would hope that we will be sitting somewhere having a mint julep and saying, you know what, our work is done here. We no longer need to have such, you know, our organizations doing what they're doing because we look at a field of advancement and it represents the United States of America, okay? That to me, it, 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 you know, we, we, when we get to a point where we're not having conversations about, oh, hey, there's only two uh, African-American uh, CEOs of uh, $5 billion foundations. And we're talking about, look at this. We have folks uh, from API, from, you know, African-American community, Latinos, everyone that, you know, is truly representing the population of our country and bringing the different culture to our field. Because, you know, fundraising, development work is people work. And, you know, right. people work, bring people things, bring culture, bring different lived experiences that really, you know, make what we do and who we support uh, from an organization perspective that much more meaningful. So, I'm 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 very hopeful that we can get there. I think the momentum is there from the time of uh, George Floyd's murder moving forward. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. cannot afford to go back, and so I'm energized. And I and I'll tell our listeners, you know, Shane doesn't just say what he said, you know, just uh, blindly. I mean, Shane uh, attends, you know, black men in, in in philanthropy meetings and others, you know, other organizations that are doing this work because. Together, it's going to take a village for us to, right. to mentor the next generation of successful advancement leaders. So 
you know, it's really critical that we keep these partnerships. And uh, well, folks, we've come to the hour. There you have it. I'm Kim Naoni. Thanks for tuning in to Mentorship Matters. See you soon.